This is episode number 188 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. On the episode this week, I'm going to share a few exercises that you can practice to become a better public speaker. And remember that public speaking is a skill. So the more you practice, the better that you're going to get at it. So the ideas that that I'm going to share on this episode will actually help you create habits that lead to better presentation confidence. By the way, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a session. And also make sure to leave me a comment or review wherever you download your podcast. And just as an FYI, we have recently posted all of our 2022 public speaking classes on our website at fearlesspresentations.com. So in the new year, we've got classes coming up in Philadelphia, Atlanta, Dallas, Cincinnati, and and like many, many more. Um, We also have virtual classes scheduled. So if you'd like one-on-one presentation coaching from the comfort of your own office or home, uh, the virtual classes are are really awesome. Uh, You can get tickets to any of those events at fearlesspresentations.com. All right, so let's get on with today's podcast. So in this episode, I'm going to give you some exercises that you can use to better improve your presentation skills. So you could actually title this, you know, how to become a better public speaker. Uh, and, and I got to admit, I was a little shocked when I started doing the research on this particular episode. Um, I found a huge list of really, 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 really dumb exercises all over the internet. And when I say dumb, I mean like don't try these things because they do not work. In fact, um, a lot of the stuff that I found will actually make you more nervous. So basically on this session, I'm going to kind of dispel some of the worst exercises and give you a a few really, really simple things that you can do to become a better public speaker. So um, get rid of the tongue twisters and the vocal warmups and all that kind of stuff. Those things really don't work. Uh, And and if you stay tuned, uh, I'm going to give you some of my most effective ways, you know, things that I've kind of found that work really, really well to help you get better as a as a as a speaker. Before I begin, though, um, there's a really important point that that you, you have to understand in order to get better at speaking in front of a group, because developing public speaking skills takes time. You know, if you've got a presentation tomorrow morning and you're just now looking for exercises to help you improve your public speaking skills, and guess what? You're you're probably too late. I mean, it's it's possible you can get better in you know a 12 hour period of time. Not very likely though. Uh, in fact, I give you an example. Somebody called our, our 800 number last week um, asking for help. They've got an upcoming presentation, and I asked him, I, I, "How long have you known about this fear? I mean, how long have you known this was this was a problem for you?" And he, re- he replied, he kind of paused for a second, and he said, "Well, I, I guess my whole life." and so he he knew he needed help a long time ago, but he waited until just a few weeks before his the biggest presentation of his life to try to do something about it. I mean, that'd be like a teenager just starting to learn 
to drive a week before he or she takes their driving test. Um, I mean, you can you can probably do it. However, that team would do much better if he or she kind of practiced for an hour or two every week for an entire year. If you practice pub, the public speaking tips that I'm going to give you on, on this episode a little at a time on a regular basis, you, you'll slowly become a great public speaker. And if you try to do it all in a week, though, you're probably not going to improve a whole lot. So. Basically, what I want to start off with is I want to start off with some of these numbskull things that I found on the Internet. These things don't work. So so don't do these things. But I I, I hate to really tell you what not to do, but they're they're out there. I mean, they're all over the place. And and some of them are just really ridiculous. And and I'll kind of explain why as we go. Um, So these will not help you become a better public speaker. So before I give you the go to tips, um, you know, here are a few really, really terrible ideas and they get reposted on the internet over and over again. So, so again, don't do these things. These will not help you become a better public speaker. In fact, most of these things will actually make you become more nervous. Um, in fact, many of the things that friends and family tell us about public speaking actually make us more nervous. So um, the first one that I want to cover is you never want to try to memorize a speech word for word. That's one of the first things that kind of comes up to. In fact, there's lots of, and we have, we have actually have tips on our, on our um, website on how to memorize a speech, but we don't try to help you memorize it word for word. (laughs) That's, that's a mistake because what tends to happen is the first thing that most people do when they're, when they're, when they've been asked to deliver a presentation is they want to write it out word for word. And and by the way, that's just in and of itself is a huge mistake, by the way. The second thing that they try to do is now that they've got it written out word for word, they try to memorize the presentation. Those two mistakes cause more people to experience the fear of public speaking than than really anything else I've ever seen in my entire public speaking coaching career. Uh, and, And I'll give you an example, you know, from my own personal experience. The very first time that I got really, really nervous about a presentation was when I was in college. And I worked for a huge company during a a summer internship. And at the end of the summer, I had to give a presentation about the experience. And, And in order to prepare for that, I wrote out the entire presentation word for word. And then I just kind of read it over and over and over again until I had the delivery down to almost exactly 15 minutes because that was the time that I was that was given. That's what was allotted to me. Um, as I kind of practiced, though, the more that I read the speech out loud, the more candid it sounded, and the more boring I sounded delivering it. So just like what, what a lot of people do, again, without a whole lot of experience, I decided that I should just memorize the speech because obviously that's going to make me sound better, right? That's not the way it works, by the way. So, and in fact, it doesn't even make logical sense. It's like you're saying the same exact thing you would have said if you were reading your speech, but now you've increased the complexity. And that's what I did. I made it much more difficult for myself. So I was already nervous when I tried to memorize it. I just made myself even more nervous. And basically, when I actually gave that presentation, I just flew through the whole thing at breakneck speed. And and once the presentation was over, I kind of sat down. I was humiliated at my performance. I knew I had an opportunity there and I knew that I blew it. So basically, what I would suggest that you do is don't do what I did. Don't write your presentation out word for word. Don't try to memorize it. And then the next big mistake that I see people make is, and this is like in all over the internet, you want to practice in front of a mirror. 
Never, ever do that, by the way. You are your own worst critic. So when you practice in front of a mirror, you're going to nitpick every minor challenge that you see. And by the way, if you're already nervous, this is likely going to make, make yourself even more nervous. You'll look at your facial expressions and think, oh, my God, why did I make that face? And is the audience going to see that? And, you know, those are kind of things that make us panic. So um, th this is another big challenge, by the way, with, with um, when, when you practice this way, is that you don't get any critical feedback. So the good news, though, is that there's a much better way to practice. It'll actually help you lower your nervousness and you'll actually become a better speaker when you do it. You just ask a friend, a coworker, a family member, somebody that you trust to listen to your speech. And as you communicate the ideas in front of a real person, in front of a real audience, just watch the way that that person reacts. When you say something very, very clear, when the person understands you, then he or she will kind of nod slightly. And this lets you know that you're communicating effectively. If you see confusion on the face of your listener, that means that something you said wasn't really understood. Something was confusing. So this lets you alter your delivery. No one's going to create a perfect speech the very first time. So especially the first time that you present it. Sometimes you're going to leave big chunks out. Sometimes you're going to say things that are confusing. However, if you improve the presentation every time you practice it, then you're going to get better and better at delivering that presentation as well. By the way, if, if you want to increase your nervousness even more than practicing in front of a mirror, just video yourself. Use your cell phone camera or something like that to coach yourself. That type of practice takes the practicing in front of a mirror to an uh, to an entirely new level. By the way, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That's, that's kind of sarcasm. Don't 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 actually record yourself. Don't practice in front of a mirror. You, you will tend to get more nervous when you do that. Practice in front of a real person. You get better feedback. Um, the third thing that is really critical to avoid is um, you want to don't don't really worry about the filler words. The filler words are actually normal. Those word whiskers that we say, the ers and ums and those kind of things. Don't try to totally eliminate them because any time anything that you reinforce, you're going to get more of. So if you focus on trying to reduce your filler words, you're most likely at least in the short term, you're going to use more filler words. Oh, my God, I'm trying not to say um, you're going to say um more. Oh, I'm not going to say I'm trying not to say er, you're going to say er more. Uh, and if you totally eliminate the filler words altogether, by the way, you create an even bigger problem. Um, for instance, have you ever watched a politician give a speech and think, even if you agree with the person, even if you're politically on the same terms with this person, you kind of watch that that politician. And, and at the end of the speech, you go, God, you know, something just really isn't right about that person or about what he or she said. The delivery may actually seem kind of mechanical. You may hear you may hear the words and think that the person just doesn't seem that genuine. And I'm not sure this person really believes what he or she is saying. Right. And interestingly, by the way, this happens from over practice and over training. The speech will tend to sound canned. It's going to sound robotic. Basically, what's happened is the the word whiskers, those ers and ums, are kind of normal in a in a just a regular conversation. When they're not there, the you won't really pick up on what it is that's missing. But in the back of your mind, you'll be going, God, that just didn't really sound right. I, I give a really good example of this, by the way, uh, in the in the 2016 presidential debates about four or five years ago, um, the last two candidates on the, in the Republican primary were Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. 
And um, when when the two of them had their last debate together, the consensus among the quote unquote experts was it was that Cruz handily won the debates. I mean, an expert, you know, he's an attorney and, you know, um, presented in front of the Supreme Court and all kinds of stuff. So lots of, um, you know, excellent at debating that kind of thing. Trump was, um, uh, a, um, you know, the, his obviously gave speeches and stuff like that and was was on TV, had it on, had his own television show. But as far as politics goes and as far as the uh, debate goes, you know, Cruz was, you know, very handily won those those debates. Um, and in fact, if, if you kind of watch the debates, Trump, a lot of times he was kind of stumbling over his words. He'd kind of interrupt himself. He would not complete sentences, that kind of thing. Cruz, though, you know, that expert debater, you know, he was kind of seen as being very professional. But when all the votes were counted, Trump won the primary by actually quite a lot. <laughs> I mean, basically killed everybody else. And I think there was like 17 or 18 people running against him. And, and he basically um, creamed them all. And then the same thing happened when Trump debated Clinton, Hillary Clinton in those debates. Same thing at the end of the debates. Oh, yeah, Hillary did fantastic. She was fantastic. She was she was great. Totally won the debate. But Trump ended up winning the uh, the election. So um, it's funny because what tends to happen is when we're more spontaneous, it's it tends to be more interesting. People tend to kind of trust a more spontaneous presentation versus an over-practiced presentation without the, the filler words and everything. So sometimes those things that we're doing to cause us to be less nervous can actually increase our nervousness because sometimes we're losing that connection with the audience. I mean, when we talk to coworkers at lunch or have drinks with friends, we kind of naturally use filler words in conversations. They make us human, but when all those filler words are gone, when they go away, we sound mechanical. So don't get me wrong, by the way, I'm, when, when people get nervous, they will often overuse filler words and the filler words can actually become annoying or um, 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 that kind of thing. The secret, though, is not to try to eliminate the filler words. The secret, secret is to reduce the nervousness. What's causing those filler words to occur? When you reduce the nervousness, the filler words are naturally kind of reduced. So focusing on the wrong thing, focusing on not doing filler words is not nearly as effective as helping you get more comfortable or confident speaking in front of a group. All right. So with all that being said, let me give you some of my, my favorite tips, some things that you can do and create habits with to help you improve your presentation skills. These are some really good exercises. Um, these things will actually help you become a better public speaker, by the way. If you really want to become an effective speaker, um, you basically want to practice in front of a group as often as you can. <laughs> In fact, the only way to reduce stage fright is to present more and have a series of successes. Um, the, the reason why most people feel nervous, by the way, when they present is that they just don't do this skill enough. They do it so infrequently. Like, for instance, if you only drove a car once every two years, you're likely going to be terrified every time you get behind the wheel of the car. <laughs> Think about uh, developing public speaking skills is it's kind of like dating, you know, but both people when they go on the first date, um, they're likely going to be nervous. In fact, if you're the person asking the other person out for that date, you know, right before the you ask that question, that's terrifying. And it's, it's basically it's it's um, it's one of those things that's that's really scary. I mean, what if he says no? Or what if she says no? That kind of thing. Right. The second date, by the way, 
almost always is equally as terrifying. Okay, the first one went really well, but it was an anomaly. I don't think it's going to work really well. Uh, I don't think this is going to, it can't last. And then, so we're just as nervous. We're, we're kind of putting on our best airs and that kind of thing. Um, however, as each of those people that are on, that, that are going on these dates, um, as they have more of the of these dates and they enjoy, they realize, hey, I, I, I enjoy being with this person. We have a lot of fun every time we go out. A lot of times that nervousness becomes replaced by more positive emotion. And over time, both people become more comfortable on the date than being alone. And, and it's kind of the same thing that happens when you're speaking in front of a group. When it, if you get really good, you do this frequently enough and you develop that skill, you'll get to a point eventually where being in front of a group is actually more comfortable than not. I mean, that's basically after doing this for years and years and years, I, I'm more comfortable coming into a room and speaking than I am sitting in the audience. I, I would much prefer being in front of the audience than sitting in the audience. And, and you'll get the same way if you, if you practice enough. However, what would happen, going back to the dating analogy, what would happen if the dates only occur maybe once a year or once every couple of years, then the person is never going to feel that comfort level. He or she will, will, will be starting with that initial nervousness level every single time that he or she goes on the date. So the best way to improve your, your presentation skills is, well, you got to get up and, and present more. So the exercises that I'm going to give you will, will help you get practice doing that, finding different situations or places where you can kind of practice a little so you can get really, really good at, at, at speaking. So very first one and really the simplest and really the most common is just speaking up in meetings more often. So a team meeting, a staff meeting, something like that. Um, if, if, if you have, a, I mean, obviously you're, if you, if you've been doing what you're doing for more than a year or so, you've probably got ideas on how to improve that thing. You've got great ideas. Why not share them with your team members? So the biggest fear related to public speaking a lot of times is the fear of being judged. If I say something and my, my team, the, the people that are in the audience doesn't really like it, you know, they're they're It's, it's going to be embarrassing. So when you share an idea with your team, and you like, and, and the team kind of likes the ideas, some of them will anyway, and maybe some of them don't, but that doesn't, it doesn't matter. When you, when you see different people with different backgrounds actually agreeing with your perspective, your perception, your perspective, then you kind of see the value in your own ideas. And when others disagree, by the way, you also realize that, hey, man, that's not the end of the world. <laughs> so a couple of my coworkers didn't agree with me. Yeah. Well, maybe I was wrong. And now I've got more clarity because they've helped me kind of come to that conclusion. But in reality, a lot of times it's, it's just, yeah, they just disagreed, eh, but it's not the end of the world. You know, people can disagree with me without me being embarrassed or, or something like that. Right. In fact, a little debate actually can help you improve those ideas. So the best part about this type of informal presentation is that it's fairly risk-free. You know, most ideas that get shared in team meetings are, are kind of quickly forgotten once the meeting is over. I hate to kind of say that, but that tends to happen. So you get a chance to really practice your presentation delivery without any long-term consequences. Uh, and by the way, if you want to even lower the risk even more, um, just instead of giving your idea, ask, ask questions of the people that are in, in the room, they ask questions during that team meeting, often great speakers are not necessarily the people that have important things to say. 
a lot of times they're the people who ask the right questions to get the audience thinking differently. So that's a that's the mark of a good presenter. And so this gives you the opportunity to kind of practice that skill, like I said, in more informal basis. Now, obviously, you don't want to make the meetings kind of drag on longer by constantly adding to the conversation. So, you know, if the meeting's about to, to end, you don't want to kind of pop in at that point and make the meeting go 10 or 15 minutes longer. That's going to get annoying, but a little practice you know, that can go a long way. Your goal is to increase your comfort level speaking in front of a group. I mean, that's, that's why asking a question to get your team members talking can, it can help you improve your public speaking skills. It can also really improve your interpersonal skills as well. So, so it helps in a lot of different ways. Okay. The second thing, second exercise that you can do to help you become a better speaker is to design a better speech (laughs) because all of the exercises to improve presentation skills will fail if you create a terrible speech. If you try to tell your audience everything that you know about a topic, then your speech will be terrible. Your audience will then see you as being a terrible speaker. So that's why I mentioned not writing a speech word for word, not trying to memorize your your speech. Instead, what you want to do is try to put yourself in the shoes of the people that are in your audience. Ask yourself, what, what would he or she want to know about this presentation. If you're listening to this presentation, what is it that the person in the audience wants or needs to know about this topic? And then as you kind of think from that perspective, just jot jot down a few of the most important items that come to mind. Um, By starting with what your audience wants, by keeping your audience in mind, you're going to be able to quickly identify just a few key points to cover in the presentation. And then you can begin to practice thinking this way, by the way, over time, by making this a repeatable exercise. Um, I'll give an example. So think about something that you do at work every day. Pick something that, that you know how to do inside and out. And because you do this all the time, you're going to think of it as being fairly simple. It's kind of a no-brainer to you. However, somebody who has never done this thing before will likely have trouble doing it. You know, for instance, in my industry, I write a lot of articles. I write blog posts and and write books, that kind of thing, right? And after writing for years, it's kind of second nature to me. A, a new person, though, that comes into my company and 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 I'm show, trying to show what I do, they will most likely struggle with that. It's it's natural. It's 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 something that I do all the time, so it becomes kind of second nature to me. But that's because I've had years of experience doing this thing. My wife, by the way. She she owns a bakery and she creates these ice cookies that are like brilliant works of art. So they're beautiful. Um, my daughter, when she was in high school, she worked at a clothing store for a while. And so she got really, really good at putting outfits together for people. So each of those skills can actually be broken down into a step-by-step process and then taught to a new person. So if you kind of think that way and, and, and begin to kind of Think about the things that you do on a day-to-day basis in a step-by-step process and create an exercise out of it. It can it can help you create compelling presentations because a simple step-by-step process is easy to remember. And then once you have that process, the third thing that you do, you can do, the third exercise that you can do is get really good at inserting personal anecdotes into these presentations. Um, you know, Stories and examples, they're really the backbone of great presentations. You know, every great speaker is a great storyteller. (laughs) 
So after you've got that step-by-step outline, you know, practice inserting your personal anecdotes as a way to kind of prove to the audience that the step or the main point that you're covering is valid. You know, for instance, if, if I'm designing a presentation about how to write a blog post, then one of my main points might be that you need to com- create a compelling title. And, and I can all I have to do at that point, once I have that thought in mind, that that main bullet point in mind, I just kind of ask myself a couple of questions. How do I how do I know that that's important? <laughs> when did I learn to, the value of, of this tip that I'm giving somebody else? The answer to those questions are most likely going to be a a, a, a good story. So, uh, in fact, I mean, years ago, I went to the to a uh, an ASTD convention. That's now ATD. I think it's a, it used to be American Society of Trainers and Developers. Now I think it's um, Association of Talent Development or something like that. Anyway, but they have these huge, huge, huge conventions. This one was actually in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, they when I when I got there, I was kind of overwhelmed because. There were hundreds of breakout meetings throughout the, I think it was a three-day meeting. And um, I mean, obviously, I couldn't attend every single one of those breakout meetings. So I wanted to make sure I organized my time well. So basically, I just went down the list and I looked at the titles. And I, I was quickly able to eliminate titles that that anything that didn't that didn't sound interesting, it didn't sound informative, didn't sound like something that was in my purview, you know, things that something I would want to, to attend. I just kind of scratched those out. And then um, once I had it narrowed down to a few a, a few options for each time period, I was able to actually cross out a few more that didn't match up to the quality of the ones that I really liked. You know, so I was more compelled to some of them. And by the way, that was just reading the title. I didn't do anything but read the title at that point. Um, and then only when I had a smaller list did I actually go back and look at the speakers and see what their credentials were and look at the the descriptions to see if the title actually match what what I was looking or the you know, the title and the description kind of match. So keep in mind that's for breakout sessions. So your potential readers will do the same exact thing even more quickly when they scan your blog on a Google search. So a compelling title will make them be more likely to click on your post and actually read it. So basically that little excerpt, that little anecdote, that little that little story from my own personal experience helps me add credibility to the point that I'm making. So remember your experience on a given topic is what your audience comes to hear when, when you speak. These personal stories are what piques your audience's attention. You can practice these anecdotes, by the way, in conversations with friends, with coworkers. That's why it becomes an exercise um, because it's an easy exercise. It's an easy way to improve your presentation skills that can actually become something that you do daily. You know, when you go out to lunch with your, with your significant other, or when you go to, to um, a, um, a business meeting, or when you're just at the water cooler, basically you can insert one of these anecdotes as a way to kind of practice it. So, that after you tell this a couple of times, you'll get really, really good at relaying that story and your audience will like it as well. Uh, and by the way, so I'll give you one more tip and this one, this is kind of self-serving, but you'll find a lot of effective exercises on how to get better at public speaking by taking a public speaking class. Now, obviously that's what I do. So um, if your time is short and you don't have a year or so to develop your public speaking skills, then you might try a good public speaking class. 
because the exercises that we do in classes actually break down the most important skills in presenting and give each participant the chance to master each one of those components. Uh, for details, by the way, you can go to my website at fearlesspresentations.com, but to kind of come full circle, that, that, that guy who called us last week, you know, even though he had kind of waited until the last minute, he waited until he had this big speech coming up, the fact that we had a seat left in a class located close to him was advantageous. So he was able to kind of get that help, even though it was a short period of time. So public speaking classes can be a great way to do that. By the way, if you like the the um, the content that we're delivering, make sure and, and leave me a comment. I really appreciate when you guys leave me those things and I can read them and, and get to even better at giving you good stuff along the way. Anyway, so thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. Bye, y'all. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.